studios of WEAA-FM, Morgan State University, this is Jazz 101. Tonight we have a special guest, smooth jazz saxophonist Art Sherrard Jr. Art Sherrard Jr. is celebrating the new release of Back to Business. Art Sherrard Jr. enlisted Chris Big Dog Davis and wrote some new tracks like Tighten Up and Change the Key. The album also has some gospel classics like the Commodore Jesus is Love and some amazing R&B classics like El DeBarge, I Like It, Jackson's This Place Hotel, and Rolls Royce Wishing on the Star. We'll be hearing some of those songs from Back to Business and talk to Art Sherrard about the recording of the Walter Hawkins classic Going Up Yonder. I met you once before, and I was impressed by how fast you are on your feet, your quick wit. Um, how does that help you when you're relating on stage? Or well, when you refer to the quick wit, I mean it. It, um, you know, you're always thinking ahead, which is important when you're playing music. You're you're not thinking at that moment. You're thinking ahead, so you you're kind of thinking where you want to go, not just where you are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes music will change. Someone will alter a chord or play something a little different on stage, and then you have to go with it. So it's just your response time has to be really fast. So, you know, that's how you apply it on stage. Do you feel that that's, I mean, this is your personality, but is that something that you may have had to develop as you're a musician? Well, that and just, you know, people pick on you, you know. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing, you know. You, when it comes to that, you, you just have to be fast when you're always the uh, the recipient of the uh, the jokes. Okay, oh, all right. Well, that's a... <laughs> you have to be fast on your feet. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I had talked to your manager, but I basically said you would be a superstar 15 years ago. You're, yep. and, and what I mean by that is that smooth jazz has changed. I, I, I don't want to be a downer, but how does that work when you see that happen when you are an artist and you see that things keep on changing. Well, you just have to, it goes back to the quick wit, you really just have to adapt. I mean, you either stay in the game and adapt or you get out. You know, there's really very few options. You know, you watch, as an artist, watch the industry change. For the artists that, you know, were in the game prior to 2000, year 2000, they're still in the game and they 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 have a certain level of success that people that have come come along afterwards uh, they have to work a whole lot harder for as you said you know smooth jazz radio was huge in mm-hmm. the 90s the 80s 90s it was incredible and early 2000s is when it started to kind of fizzle a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, and from there it just kind of declined so as an artist, we have to adapt all the time. We always have to be, you know, this is the music business. And so there's a section that's all about music, and there's even more of it that's all about business. So when you say that, you know, a lot of people think that if you're just a killer player, that that's all you need, you know, and that's not it. Mm-hmm. It's so much more business involved than do you, just music. Do you feel that now when you 
put out music. It's more strategic. We, we look at it from the business standpoint. One, you have social media. Mm-hmm. Social media didn't exist. And it probably wasn't needed as much because the artists that were heavy in the, during that time, they you were getting were, major airplay. Sure. You know, you were hearing them everywhere. Everybody, every major city had a smooth jazz, something, something, something. Mm-hmm. You'd have three hits per album, yeah, period. Yeah, yeah. And so now, it's 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 just a t- totally different ball game, you know. And so, I'm having to utilize social media. Mm-hmm. I'm having to be very strategic in the songs, and you know, we use radio marketers. And when you're starting to get closer to the summer months, the radio marketers they want something upbeat and they want something that that's very summery with nice groove so everything is very strategic and you ha- also have to be cognizant of where the the contemporary jazz is now and maybe where it's going to okay and like are you saying with an international flair or right they're, they're going be, back to like brazilian music again or uh, well i or, don't i don't think that's where contemporary jazz is the the contemporary jazz is really an extension of R&B and blues and you know pop. That's kind of that that area where contemporary jazz kind of lives, and then it, it's starting to incorporate a little bit more aggressive playing, you know. But that's where it is, and you have to think when you when you talk about contemporary jazz or smooth jazz, as many like to put it. They they look, think melodically. That's what you you want: strong melodies, mm-hmm. strong melodies, good grooves. That you know that's kind of the making of, of of what's considered to be a hit in contemporary jazz. You know, whereas before jazz was, was harmonic, it was very rhythmic, and for the average listener, it was heavy. Yeah, you know, and so you you're trying to figure out, man, what what is that just sounds like a bunch of notes. Yeah. Because it wasn't as melodic. Whereas, On purpose. Yeah. 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 To you be know, creative. Yeah. You know, the the music, the contemporary side is a little, is a, I don't want to really say watered down, but it's, it's not as technical well, as it was previously. You know, it, it's gone from being extremely technical, which is hard on the ear because, once again, it, being strategic, you have to think about your audience. Mm-hmm. And so when you create a record, you create the record for your audience. If you if your intention is to sell records. Yes. If you're making a statement, then you can kind of do whatever you want to do. Expect not to sell records. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you don't don't expect to sell yeah. as many. And yeah. so we, you know, a lot of the the artists talk about records for musicians and records for our audience, mm-hmm. the listeners, the people who buy tickets. So when I hear a record that is packed full of, um, you know, a lot of harmonic um, stuff and, and you're, you're, it's really aggressive and maybe not really strong melodies, you know, you consider that to be maybe for the musician. And sometimes musicians, you know, we kind of get into our own thing and we feel as though we have to, hey, I, I need you to know that I'm, I can play. Yeah. And so... You try, you know, I used to um, I used to tour with Michael Henderson. And, you know, he was a great bass player, Miles Davis. And he would always tell us, he'd say, hey, man, less is best. Mm-hmm. And if you apply that, 
you know, to the way your creation of music sometimes. Not trying to put everything in. It's almost like like a stew or something. And and if you put all these different spices in there and you put too much in there, as soon as someone takes a bite, they're gonna like, whoa, it's just very complicated mm -hmm. to my palate. So, yeah, to answer your question, you have to be extremely strategic because this is a business. It, it's it's not just a love. It is a love, but it's a business. So you have to be strategic. You have to know when to release records. You have to know what type of records the industry is is kind of vibing on at that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, it, it, it's a lot of things. You know, you think strategically about what artists do you want to, if you want to have a guest on your record, who do you want as a guest on your record? Mm -hmm. Are you, do you have them on your record to to help you sell records, you, to have them kind of as a marquee? Or do you just have them because, you know what, they just sound great, nobody knows who they are, but I want them on my record. So all of those things are what goes in the minds of artists when they're creating records. You know, how much is too much, how much is not enough. Um, you know, it, it's tough, you know, and, and when you think of people like, you know, a lot of guy, a guy who gets a lot of criticism, but I have a lot of respect for him is Kenny G. Kenny G, you know, came up and he was playing that fusion. You know, he's playing with Jeff Lorber, and he was an incredible player. And he's still an incredible player, but he and Clive Davis got together and made it a, a real business. They, they, they decided we're going to make songs with some great melodies, great grooves, and we're going to sell a lot of records because people can sing to them. Yeah. I always think about when, when I'm doing a record, is, is the melody that I'm creating something that I can sing? Because if I can't sing the melody, then I don't consider it to be a strong melody. Mm -hmm. If you hear the melody and, it, and you don't hum the melody or you can't hum it, I need to go back to the drawing board and come up with something else. Because that's what, you know, if you listen to any of these records that are at the top of the billboard, contemporary jazz guys they have great melodies it's not about what they're playing if you have just joined us you're listening to jazz 101 our guest tonight is smooth jazz saxophonist art sherrard jr right now that's really hard to pick apart a song and, and, and rip it into a smooth jazz standard. No, just you're, the, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, I mean, it's just really hard. The music's it, not where it, what it used to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that's one of my biggest criticisms with current music when, when you think about R&B and pop. It's just not the same. When no. you had, when you compare that to Marvin Gaye, you, you compare that to Teddy Pentegrass, you know, to, to all these incredible art, artists. Mm-hmm. You know, Gladys Knight, Diana Ross, the Jacksons, Prince. They have, I mean, the, it was real music, and they put real good melodies to them, mm -hmm. vocal melodies, and they became hits. 
music is taught, I mean, you know, to, to pick apart some of these artists, you know, I'm not going to name any, but just to pick apart any of them, it's really, like you said, it's really tough. Yeah. Because you you want a catchy melody. Uh, we were going to meet earlier, and yeah. we were really going to focus on Going Up Yonder, which is yeah. from your from your last album. Yeah, yeah. And um, one, okay, white people don't know that song. Okay. <laughs> right. They don't know it. Well, but, well most don't, yeah. yeah. okay, I'm just saying it out loud. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal song, and uh, we were going to listen to the original one, and then we're going to go into your version, and what right. you did is something else. Yeah. And, but at the same time, it's what people do is, like, they know that song right away. Like, they, they, they know, like, you know, know for note what's going on, and they're with you. So I, you know, I wanted to just focus on that song because that's what my my reaction to that song was right. initially, is that oh, wow, what did you do to this song? Right. And right. And, and what what a what a find. Uh, how did that go out in the world? For people that know going up yonder, going up yonder is a, a gospel song that you typically hear at funerals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they sing it when the body is, is there in front of you because they're talking about going up to see my Lord. Mm -hmm. And so the concept of the record, so whenever you're creating a record, you really want to, you really should have a concept. And so the, whole, the concept of the record was I wanted, I wanted it to sound live and I wanted it to sound like my contemporary jazz records. Okay. And so... But I wanted it to be all gospel. So what we did was I, I got with a good friend of mine who, who produced the record. And we said, look, this is what we want to happen. You know, So this song here, we want to make it funky. We want to find a way to change the narrative. Yeah, yeah. We don't, <laughs> we don't want it to sound sad. You know, we want it to sound fun and mm -hmm. upbeat. And so when you hear the original version of Going Up Yonder, I mean, it, it's sad. Mm -hmm. We figured, man, look, what if we add a horn section to it and add a groove to it? Wow, that would be different. And then in, on the back end, change it up and just make it go into this, like, this real funky thing. And, that, and that's what we did. You know, it was, and, and it worked. You know, and it kept the integrity of the song. So, you know, sometimes when you remake a song, you can take it too so far out that it, you lose the integrity of the song and the meaning of the song. So, in this sense, we took Going Up Yonder. We said, look, and, you know, and, and one of the, the things I do, personally, when I do a, a record is I don't like telling people, I want you to do it just like this. Because I like to get a little bit of flavor from everybody. I don't, I don't. Because sometimes someone has a much better idea than you do, mm -hmm. and I don't like restricting them to it. I, I want to hear what you do first, and then we may have to trim it up. Um, I, I'm very impressed. I know that we're doing this this uh, this interview, and we're being spontaneous, but uh, while we're doing this, and we, we're talking about it, we may be playing this song So in the background so we would be able to, so you guys could listen to hear what we're yeah. talking about.
You know, we're in this winter month. Now, it was so cold that I was freezing, and I wonder what you do like for your, your body to, to be ready for a show. You know, it, it really varies, but, you know, one of the things, just, just body-wise, sometimes I, I go into like a stretch, almost like I'm getting ready to go on the basketball court. You know, you kind of get your muscles together, and, you know, when it comes down to your horn, you know, I like to blow air through it to get it warm, and then you just move your fingers. You know, it, it's... One of the one of my little my rituals that I like to do is I like to get away from everybody else for a moment and just just play and whether it's an exercise or or something from a, a tune or whatever it is and I like to separate so I can get my mind in a in a totally different place because when you're playing music especially when you're having to improvise it's 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 a little different when you're just reading everything off a piece of paper. When you're having to improvise, you're having to think. You're having to think about stories, multiple stories. Mm-hmm. And improv- imp- improvisation is based upon, um, obviously, technique, but also emotion and connectivity with the people that you're playing around. Well, let me use an example. So now you play with loose ends often. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I mean, their songs are structured and they're phenomenal songs. Right. The songs already had that built-in sax already. It was already there for you. So then you could add the color to it. But right. do, do you every night just like turn on something different and then they go, oh my God, this is awesome, can't continue? Or are you kind of like cut into their, like we want you to do a minute? Well, it, it and that varies too sometimes. You know, it could be, sometimes it's, it depends on how much time we have. Mm-hmm. You know, they might say, hey, you know, let's just go just do 16 bars or do eight bars. And then sometimes, you know, I cue them. I mean, okay, we're going, we're going out, you know, from the solo back into the the tune. Okay. So, it, you know, the, that's the cool thing about music, and real music is that you can pivot like that. You know, now we don't really, we don't play when, when I'm playing with loose ends. We don't maybe go in some of the directions we might go from a jazz standpoint mm-hmm. because the, their music is legendary, it's classic. So that's one of those things. You don't want to take it too far outside the lines because you lose the integrity of the music. But when we're on, you know, if I'm doing a, a jazz gig, you know, we may take this thing in a whole different place. Yeah. And yeah. and which is cool. I don't, you know, and even with Loose Ends, you know, I have a lot of freedoms. And, and all, all the musicians have their, their songs are built that way where you there's a lot of air. There's a lot right. of space. There's a lot of freedoms there to, mm-hmm. to add color. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so... You, you have like you feed off audiences so one night you're you're adding a little color and you can just see the audience like brighten like you say wow that really worked do you feel that you want to do you is every audience different or do you feel that you would turn around and say I think we're on to something here I think we want to stick with this or close to it yeah so you know certain certain audiences will take you a certain place you know, you have those listening audiences, and then you have those audiences that respond. You know, okay, they, we're they, talking about loose ends. People are responding. They're oh, like, yeah, yeah, they're way into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but still, even with loose ends, sometimes you have people that that are listening. Okay. And for an artist, when we're when we're on stage, we we see most of the time we can see a couple of rows in with the lights and everything. We really can't see too far out. You know, we're always trying to judge, okay, is this really hitting them like we want? Are they receiving it 
like we want to. Okay. Sometimes we have to turn it up a little bit. So you are from Texas, but you're in Maryland. Do you feel sometimes that you got to, like, you know, pull your family aside and say, I think I got to go up to New York? Well, I, I get a chance to play around all over the country, so, which is good. I enjoy the, the, there's a different feel for East Coast and West Coast. You know, the music's different. And you can, for me, I can kind of tell when I'm listening to an, a West Coast artist and maybe an East Coast artist. You know, my band it, is out of this area, but I also have units that I use in different parts of the country. Uh, you know, when I'm in Texas, if I'm in Dallas, I have a band. Okay. And I have in Houston, I have a I use a different band. Uh, you know, because you know the smooth jazz, the contemporary jazz budgets aren't what they used to be. You know, so you know, I don't get a chance to travel with all my musicians, and so it's important for me to have charts for the musicians. You know, the sheet music for them and. You know, it's it's just a different thing. So each city can be different. Your music's going to sound a little bit different, you know, because you're using different musicians. So I love playing in the D.C., Virginia area when I get a chance to. I, I love it. It's, But, you know, I also pl love playing in L.A. and in those places, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the music is received a little different because on the East Coast, it, I think it has a little bit more of a groove-oriented type a, a crazy musical story, like um, just something that is interesting that that, that happened to you. Uh, one, one story, and it, it kind of goes into something I heard uh, one of one of the wiser musicians say that you, regardless of the, the size of the venue, and regardless of how many people 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 are in the audience. You have to play, you have to give it your all. And I remember doing an event for um, a young lady up in the Baltimore area. This was years ago. This was when I was first starting out as a solo artist. And I did this event, it was a charity event for the school, raise money, and it was, a, it was a decent crowd. And finished up the gig, you know, and I'm packing up, and all of a sudden, this big tall guy comes up and says, hey. And I look up, and I didn't know who this guy was, but he said, I'm going to give you a call. I enjoy, I enjoyed that, you know, and I'd love for you to play in my band. And then he introduced himself. He said, I'm Michael Henderson. Okay, that's a good story. <laughs> and, yeah, and so at that moment, now you gotta understand, I'm a child of the '70s. Yeah, you know, I was born in the '70s. So, uh, and I and I said, oh, okay, well, nice to meet you. And one of the things you learn as a musician is that a lot of people will promise you, hey, I'm gonna give you a call, and you're like, okay, all right, well, cool, you know. And you know, sure enough, he calls, and I, in between his call and his introduction, I go online and I'm researching him. I'm like, oh, he's real. <laughs> oh, man, this guy's real. Yeah. And and the lady that did the event, her name was Tanya Williams, and she said, no, that's Michael Henderson. If he says he's gonna call you, he's gonna call you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you never know who's in your audience. So you can't sham on an audience whether it's large or small. Yeah. You know whether you play a small role or a big role, you you, you just have to 
you have to play your part and give it give it all you got. Mm. You know. Arch Farrar Jr., thank you for visiting Jazz 101. I'm your host, Tom Galker. The producer of Jazz 101 is Tyron Rice. The show is recorded at the studios of WEAA 88.9 FM. Your voice of the community and your source of cool jazz and more. <laughs>